0: The weather is such a big factor in when you can get out in the field to plant and how that crop is going to look come harvest. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report, and that's why I called on an expert who can explain what weather patterns agriculture is watching that will determine how the growing season will start in 2023. Shane Hubbard is a research scientist at the Space Science and Engineering Center at UW-Madison, and we start with La Nina the name of the climate that we're currently in and how that plays a role in upcoming weather events.
1: Yeah, La Nina is something that actually impacts the entire globe in some way uh, or another. And it's a, just a change in the water temperature in the Pacific Ocean right along the equator. And right now we're in a below normal, so that's called La Nina. And it has major impacts for the United States. Um, The Pacific Northwest, for example, they get intense rainfalls in the wintertime. They get uh, heavy snowfalls. So you'll hear in the spring about flooding probably. Um, And in Wisconsin, we do have some impacts. Ours are a little bit more minor. Um, But we do have impacts from that. We can sometimes see cooler than average temperatures in the wintertime. And we see warmer falls, actually. And La Nina really only impacts the U.S. between November and April. And then after April, it begins to wane here in the the United States.
0: Is it going to stay La Nina for a while? When do we see changes and, and what are the implications of those changes?
1: So we're more certain when we have La Nina because we can track those climate impacts over time and it has a profound effect on the United States. But as we transition out, that's when we get into more uncertain territory because there's other drivers we don't understand as well. And so we'll be a little more certain this winter about what we're going to see for temperature and precipitation. But then as we get into, say, April, May, June, July, things will be less certain. And what we do as climatologists and forecasters is we look at analogous years. So what happened the last time we left La Nina and started to transition and what did those years look like?
0: Let's look at this winter. Any projections for what we're going to anticipate in terms of moisture or temperature?
1: We're already seeing a classic La Nina. Um, When we look at previous La Ninas, we had uh, warm Novembers, above normal Decembers, and we generally see a transition in late December and then into January to cooler than normal temperatures. And so we find that our winters are often um, either around average or below, slightly below average. And we're already seeing that start to take place. Great November, pretty nice start to December, right? And then the other thing that we notice in terms of precipitation and snowfall is below normal precipitation over the winter and often below normal uh, snowfall. And we've seen that for the past two years as well.
0: And that has its own implication because, I mean, this spring we were in drought conditions because we didn't get enough moisture in the winter.
1: Yeah, and if we think back to 2008, 2007, 2008, that really wet uh, fall, and then that, all that precipitation we had in the winter really drove that flooding situation, high moisture conditions almost all spring and summer. And um, we're, we're not going to see that this winter. If anything, we'll be slightly below normal probably going into the spring months.
0: Do we know what we need as far as precipitation to make sure that farmers get started on the right yeah, track? Most this of the
1: state statewide, somewhere between three and four inches would be average. And right now, we only have small sections of the state that are seeing drought conditions over by Menominee and then up by Ashland and Bayfield. They're under drought conditions right now. Majority of the state's doing well with soil moisture and precipitation. So if we can get average, we'll be good in the spring.
0: When we talk about the weather, it's almost always about looking ahead and trying to predict what's going to happen. But a lot of the information you forecast comes from what we experienced in the past. So I wanted to ask you if you've noticed anything in 2022's growing season that will influence what happens in 2023.
1: As we've come out of La Nina's, we've had a little bit of a mixed bag. We've had some springs like the April to June time period where it's been pretty wet. But starting off with dry conditions or average conditions now may not necessarily mean flooding, right? We've also seen some average, um, but we've never seen drastically below average springs where we would think about a drought uh, in the spring.
0: Here we are talking about Wisconsin but as we know in a global marketplace what happens around the country and around the world impacts how our commodities move and the price that we see in the market. Any uh, severe weather events or any weather patterns that are impacting how we are transporting goods?
1: Well we wouldn't expect there to be widespread flooding that would you know really impact the ability to move goods along the Mississippi River. We do see an active jet stream in the south um, especially in the sort of Uh, Early spring months, say February, where they may have more storms than they usually have. So severe weather more so than like the flooding uh, elements. And we also see they tend to be much warmer in the southeast um, and they can also be drier. They can also have some drought like conditions uh, over the winter months.
0: Do you have any insight for us on when Mississippi River levels may come back up thanks to, you know, large rain events or or more precipitation?
1: So now we're transitioning out of La Nina. We tend to see less flooding, you know, in that watershed uh, when we have La Ninas. As we start transitioning out of that, I think we may start to see more of those conditions. I think 2018... Uh, was the last time we saw the major impacts on the Mississippi River. There were a number of days, I think, set records, hundred and some days above flood stage, uh, and some of the gauges along the Mississippi there uh, in Iowa and in uh, Illinois. And I think we should be good until, you know, the fall, and then we might see an increase in that potential.
0: What other information can you offer us about what's happening around the world in terms of those weather seasons, like monsoon season or earthquake season, that agriculture may have to pay attention to.
1: We're seeing some other things going on in different places in the world. I mean, Australia has been looking at drought conditions. Um, we're winding down hurricane season. We had quite a bit of activity um, in Asia with, uh, with hurricanes this year um, and typhoons. Typhoons, I guess, is what they're called there, rather than hurricanes. Um, some of the things we're going to be looking um, at is um, as spring transitions into summer, some of those patterns of some of the systems coming off the African continent And those end up being our hurricanes. Um, And we start to look at here in the spring things and the activity that's going on in the Indian Ocean and around India, because those systems then sometimes come through Africa and then move into into our area. So
0: what's happening on the other side of the world ultimately will impact what we see in the sky here in Wisconsin.
1: Oh, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to think that something like that can make it all the way over here. But a lot of our weather systems might be generated from hurricanes that are you know, winding down and coming through and they may make their way all the way um, over into, uh, into the Midwest. And they last a long time.
0: Shane Hubbard, along with us, a research scientist at the Space Science and Engineering Center at UW-Madison. And this is the first time you've talked about how weather impacts agriculture specifically. You also talked to different commodity groups around the state.
1: Yeah, so I um, gave a presentation at the Cranberry Growers annual meeting and then I'm going to be doing that again, I believe, this February. Um, and then potato growers as well. And so I do as much as I can. I, I come from a family of farmers. And so I do as much as I can to connect with farmers uh, in the state. Um, also, we had when we had flooding up by Baraboo, we did meet with a number of farmers about the flooding and, and what their take on the causes for that flooding uh, was. And and try to think of solutions that we might be able to provide back to the county um, to see if we can uh, maybe help that situation.
0: When you're out there engaging with the industry, what are those Top questions uh, that you get from farmers. Why
1: well, are you always fifty percent wrong? No, they—they they really. Um, farmers are so engaged with the weather, and I'm sure that is why I became so fascinated with having a family of farmers. And they're always really trying to take a look at, you know, you know, when can we get out in the field, and when can we go and bring crops in, and and, and what's the growing season um, season look like? A lot of times, they want to know where data is. So, where do I go to get the best forecast? Where do I go to get the best radar information? I could tell you the best forecast is from the National Weather Service. Um, there's hands down is definitely the best place to get a forecast. But then they want to know where the what's the new app or what's the new website or what's the you know. And so you're you're constantly sort of helping them navigate that water because it changes so quickly where I would might send someone today for a weather app is not where I may send them tomorrow because that whole space changes so fast.
0: Any work coming out of your department at UW-Madison that may be notable for agriculture to take a look at?
1: So we're doing a number of things. We just finished a statewide flood assessment um, that could be applied to looking at agricultural land and the potential for flooding. Uh, In agricultural land, we're doing a similar thing where we're looking at agriculture in Georgia, um, but that similar work could could apply here. Um, Some of the other things going on in our building um, is tracking severe weather. I know there's a lot of interest for that here in the state of Wisconsin. Some of the folks that are working on that, uh, that research, they've really been able to increase some of the lead times and potential to understand if a storm may become severe or not uh, with lightning, tornadoes, hail, all of those things that I think uh, farmers here in the state would be interested. And they can find that if they go to our website, which is at the Space Science and Engineering
0: Center you mentioned uh, folks can always turn to the national weather service for reliable forecasts and they're always trying to recruit folks to contribute weather reports is that also important uh, for your work as well
1: that information is so valuable even in my work where i do a lot of work with flooding and understanding the risks to flooding i can look at that gauge information and the more sort of dots on a map that we can have the better we can understand how much precipitation has fallen And I'm sure anyone with a rain gauge has experienced, you know, they have their rain gauge and they have the two inches in their backyard, but then they just go maybe a half a mile away or not even, and that person had three and a half inches. And so the more of those points we get and the weather service can get, so beneficial to research, forecasting, understanding sort of past events and what future events might look like.
0: Shane Hubbard joining us in studio, a research scientist at the Space Science and Engineering Center at UW-Madison, offering a glimpse of what he can predict for the 2023 growing season so far. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.